the only way you're going to be successful is you got to be involved. You got to get in it. Um, you can't just stand around and ponder it and worry about it and think about it. You got to get in it and do the best you can to get all of it you can and, and figure out what's going on. Excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. These are the values the Sam M. Walton College of Business explores in education, business, and the lives of people we meet every day. I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College, and welcome to the Be Epic Podcast. I have with me today Fletcher Lord, Jr., who is the chairman of Replacement Parts, Inc. He has a very interesting career, but most noteworthy, he is being inducted into the Arkansas Business Hall of Fame in February. And we have been running the Arkansas Business Hall of Fame since 1999. Inductees include many names you would recognize, like Sam Walton, Don Tyson, JB and John L. Hunt, you know, uh, Warren Stevens, many, many, many others. Um, Bill Dillard, many uh, very successful people. Arkansas Business Hall of Fame, the purpose of it really is to celebrate the achievement of business people in business, celebrate their achievement, recognize it. Uh, And we pick people who not only have had huge impacts uh, on industries in uh, Arkansas and business, but also are great role models in terms of integrity and ethics and so forth. And so, Fletcher, congratulations on being inducted in the Arkansas Business Hall of Fame. Thank you. Came as a big surprise. Well, well deserved. Um, I remember reading your background and all you've accomplished, and it's so, so remarkable what you've done in the automotive accessories uh, business. Uh, as a privately held firm. Would you tell us a little bit about the company? Well, uh, we are a Little Rock-based auto parts distribution company. We operate both warehouses and store operations. We're in the 12-state market area from uh, west of Atlanta to east or west of Tulsa and down to Beaumont, Texas. We uh, have 210 of our own stores and about 180 independent part stores that are owned by independent individuals, but buy their products from our warehouse. They use our signage, our marketing, our computers, and they are, for all practical purposes, an affiliate of ours. Uh, This business was founded by my grandfather back in 1919. So... That is an unusually long time for a firm to be around. Fletcher, how did the company start 102 years ago? And what was it actually doing back then? Well, it was started uh, by my grandfather who moved uh, from Arkadelphia to Little Rock. And he came to town and uh, got a job as a traveling grocery salesman. And back then, there were no roads between towns, so all the commerce was done on the railroad. And he traveled uh, the state selling groceries, and on his travels, uh, he ran into a fellow that was a competitor of his, and they became friends. Uh, Ultimately, they became business partners. Uh, He was also a grocery salesman, and his name was J.G. Burlingame. 
and they continued to be in the grocery business. And my grandfather ultimately became a salesman for a candy company, Karcher Candy Company. But they became friends. And one day, uh, Mr. Burlingame invited my grandfather over to his house for Sunday dinner. And uh, he accepted. And uh, the next week on the train, he invited him to move in with him. He was older than my grandfather, and he uh, didn't have anybody at home with his wife and big old house, nobody in it. And my grandfather was living in the boarding house. And so he moved in and lived together for about six or seven years before he married. And uh, they remained competitors and they remained friends. But like a lot of people do at that age, they were ratting around for some way to make some extra money. And Mr. Crow started going to St. Louis to the National Automotive Show. And they would go up and or he would go up and he would look at the cars that were on show there. And back then there was about a hundred and two or three, four uh, car manufacturers in the country. And he would pick out cars that he thought would sell in Arkansas and he would buy some cars and bring them home. And ultimately, that's the way a lot of car dealers started. And they did that for a couple of years. But. In 1918, he went up and came back and said they weren't going to stay in the car business. They were going into the accessory business. And back then, when the Detroit built a car, they shipped it in a box. So it arrived without tops and seats and wheels and lamps and all the stuff that went on it. And it was up to the dealers to locate that stuff, put it on the car, and make it roadworthy. And so they founded a company to do that. Uh, ran a big ad in the paper and said, if you'll call Maine 464, we'll get your order off on the next train. So they did that till about 1922. And, and about that time, the car manufacturer started to, uh, to uh, ship cars that were complete. And their business had to shift and they became a supplier of replacement parts and at one point in time, they had a large machine shop because the engines and cars didn't last very long. It had to be rebuilt constantly, and they had to rebuild the wheels. You remember the wheels used to have wooden spokes, and they would break, and uh, they had leaf springs that had to be retorked. And so there was a lot of effort made to keep cars running, and they did that for a long time. And in 1928, they bought a competitor down in El Dorado, Arkansas. And they became a branch operator at that point in time. And then for the next several years, they opened branches throughout the state. Uh, they, I think of the stores as, as numerically as where we opened. Uh, number two was El Dorado. Number three was Pine Bluff. Number four was Hot Spring. Number five, Studgard, Texarkana, and so forth. So they continued to open stores during the course of the Depression. Uh, my grandfather always said that uh, if somebody had a car and it uh, wasn't working, they were going to fix it. They weren't going to go out and hook up a team of mules to go to town anymore. <laughs> he was pretty much right about that. So the, the Depression uh, made it hard for people to afford it, but they weren't going to do something different. And so the business continued to grow and expand. And then after the Depression, the war came along and everything went on allocation. Uh, they didn't make very many cars. They made Jeeps and tanks, and tires weren't available, and fuel was on allocation. So uh, the people who had cars continued to uh, uh, 
get them repaired and keep them maintained because they couldn't afford not to. And then at the end of the war, when all the GIs came home, uh, there was all kinds of people availability to go into the business, and uh, they opened uh, 19 stores in a year uh, during that era uh, with the GIs coming home, and, and that was, in essence, what we did for a long time. And then back in the early 50s, they formed a uh, a holding company, and and merged with a group in Memphis and one in Fort Smith, and it was called OCY. And OCY at that time was the largest buying group in the country. And we had a one of us had nine stores, and one of us had twelve stores, and another one had ten stores. So being great big didn't mean anything back then. But uh, they they merged and continued to grow and open branches. And in about 1953, the government sued them and said that keeping your own goods for redistribution doesn't cause you to be eligible for discounts from factories. And if you're going to stay in the distribution business, you've got to uh, sell 40% of what you sell to somebody beside yourself. So at that point, the industry started to sell to independent operators. And so we started trying to, uh, to establish and, and sell to people who ran their own parts stores. And we did that for a number of years, uh, due to the requirement that we had to sell a certain percentage of our stuff to somebody else. And, that and, sounds uh, like a very significant change in the business. It was. It was a significant change, and it was the formation of what became known as the warehouse distribution business. Uh, and that's it. We are an unusual business in that we are a multi-step distribution business. Uh, we ship to the vendor, ships to the warehouse, who ships to the stores, who ships to the installer, who is basically the retailer, the fellow who bolts the parts on. Fletcher, yeah, that's a that's a huge um, change. Were there any other types of big changes? That, that was clearly a change. Were there any big changes that really affected uh, aftermarket from maybe Maybe like technological. Well, the, the the major thing that was changing was the dynamics of the automobile. Um, you know, when we first started selling uh, parts, there weren't many parts. Uh, you didn't have starters and alternators and air conditioning transmissions and all that sort of thing. You'd go out and grab hold of a crank and crank the car up and start it that way, and that was replaced by starters and batteries and. Uh, the technology just continued to evolve and cars became more complicated. And and uh, so the parts required to keep them going became broader and broader and broader. And of course, today they're astronomical in the number of units required to take care of the industry. But that's the way they started. Um, we didn't really get into the technological stuff very often until way up into the well, when the computer age started to come along, uh, way back in the 70s, we we put a IBM 34 into our office to manage accounts receivable, and that was when we first started seeing some computer technology change the business. And of course, it's dramatically changed everything since then. 
Fletcher, what would you say is your most important formula for success? I was at a cocktail party a number of years ago for some of the older fellows in the industry. And we were standing around visiting, and I was talking to several of the guys that run Genuine Parts Company, NAPA. And uh, one of them said, I'm the guy that opened the distribution center in Little Rock. I said, really? He said, you know, it's the most unsuccessful distribution center we ever opened. And I said, well, why do you think that is? And the other one said, I know why it is. He said, because you never left. Uh, you Most people, when we come to town, decide they're going to sell out and they call us and want to see if we'll buy the company. And you never did. And you, you're still here. So I think our formula was don't quit. Just whatever you have to do, you just stay in there and keep plugging away and do what you've got to do. Nothing particularly fancy about it. It's just surround yourself with good people and do what you got to do. Fletcher, there's so many things going on in the world right now that are changing rapidly. How do you see these changes and, and so forth affecting your industry and your business uh, out into the future, decades from now? Well, there's a lot of changes going on, which are a challenge uh, to everybody, not just uh, privately held, but publicly held companies that are in this business as well. Um, one of them is the challenge of trying to find the kind of people that uh, would do well in the industry. Uh, when I was growing up and first got in this business, every boy around knew something about automobiles and was interested in them. And finding somebody that wanted to be in the parts business was pretty easy. Uh, that's not true today. The vast majority of young people grow up without ever looking under the hood of a car and don't really have a lot of interest in what's under there. Uh, another challenge that's that's significant is the uh, parts proliferation problem that that uh, is dynamic. Uh, the number of cars on the road and the number of parts to service them uh, is growing geometrically. In addition to that, the stuff that we used to sell that gave us a lot of turnover and a lot of solidity in our business is going away and it's being replaced by things that you used to sell 200 of, now you sell none of and you sell a lot of items that are expensive but you sell one or two of them at a time and not in mass so you got to have a lot more coverage it costs a lot more money and you've got to have that to be able to, to be able to service the business and there's just a limit to how much dollars and money you can throw at a problem because it's past a certain point it doesn't make any sense you, you, no matter how much money you got there's just not enough statistical evidence to support how much inventory you can put in the in the field and and be successful doing it. Uh, the other thing that's that is a challenge and has continued to be uh, a, a real challenge is the fact that we're really not in the parts business. We're in the data business, and having the right part in the right place at the right time at the right price is a challenge. And that was always what we had to do. It's just harder today. Uh, and we spend most of our time talking about things that don't have anything to do with auto parts. They have to do with data and, and how to determine all the things that we need to know so that we can go to the street, and be profitable and successful. Fletcher, 
again, congratulations on your induction of the Arkansas Business Hall of Fame and congratulations on your amazing uh, career and your successes. Uh, we're, we're really proud of you. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be sitting here talking to you. On behalf of the Sam M. Walton College of Business, I want to thank everyone for spending time with us for another engaging conversation. You can subscribe by going to your favorite podcast service and searching Be Epic, B-E-E-P-I-C.